Hello everyone, something a little bit different for you today as we're going to take a look back through the archives of Diminishing Returns to find some of the choice offcuts that never made it into the show. We do really over-record our episodes, uh, usually hours at a time, and then we have to cut out significant amounts. Uh, usually it's just us talking a lot of shite, going off on tangents and things. Sometimes it is something quite interesting or funny or whatever, uh, but we have to take it out just because it doesn't fit into an already overly long episode. So, sit back and enjoy as I take you on a tour through the back catalogue of this esteemed podcast. Right, we've been in a bit of a Jumanji mood recently, uh, with the latest film hitting cinemas last month, but we looked at the first film way back in 2017 when they first rebooted it. Now, that episode famously contained the uh, ominous drum, is Calvin a racist argument, Uh, but here are a few things that uh, didn't make it to the episode. So before we just move on chronologically, we, we are in, in the film, we're introduced to one of the sort of principal characters who is a guy who works at the shoe factory. And then mm. when we move into present day, he's a he's a police officer. Yeah. Now, this uh, what's the name of this actor? Because I... David Alan Greer. I, did, I barely remembered this guy being in the film as a kid. I remember there being a policeman, but I didn't remember him being a big plot element. But... After the rewatch, he might be my favorite thing in the film. Really? I think he gives a I think he gives a really great comedic performance. Well, that's I think he That's that was my point. He is really the comedy of the film because yeah. you'd think it would be Robin Williams, but like I say it, it downplays that a lot more. Mm. And we kind of cut away to her oh, what's the zany cop doing now and he's like oh he's getting into all yeah. sorts of japes, always oh, out of his control. But I think that's kind of like we need the madcap comedy element, so we've got yeah. that. And then we can use this other so main story as kind of we can concentrate a bit more on mm. the serious side, which I think is yeah. it, and it works t- for the most part. And I think it, that and that's the bits that really do go into kind of zany kids comedy, um, and mm. uh, and gets a bit mm. silly sometimes. I, I didn't like the fact that he he works in the shoe factory at the beginning and he's cr- and he's created this new thing that he's going to change the world and it's just like a perfectly formed like twenty years <laughs> later trainer with like completely different mater- like where did he get the materials to make that? <laughs> it's like and it's a prototype. Yeah, I know, but it's made of stuff. He's a toy maker. He builds things for a living. He's not Alan. a toy maker. He's a shoemaker. He, he's he, a shoemaker. He, he cuts leather for a living. It's not made out of leather. Yeah, exactly. He knows sense. how to make shoes. <laughs> anyway, it just felt that felt a bit too mm. kind of on the nose. But I, I wasn't entirely sold on him becoming a policeman um, after being sacked from the factory. You'd think it's more likely he'd look around and end up working in another factory doing similar production line work. And Well, maybe he did, and he was like, oh, I'm bored of this. It's shit. I'm going to get a career. I'm sure he probably did, but yeah. Uh, maybe the police is just the last refuge of a scoundrel. Can I, can I just... I, I don't know if it's worth saving this for the end, but did either of you two watch the cartoon? Yeah, I, I, was... I wanted to mention that at some point. Yeah, I did. Um, right, yeah, because I, I think a lot of what my um, preconceptions about elements of this film come from that, where it is very much like they actually do go mm. into the jungle with Robin Williams, because uh, he's like trapped there for some reason in the cartoon. Mm. 
and yeah, it's very clear then that it isn't the real world. It's some kind of mm. yeah different dimension. Oh no, I, I think it's yeah. I think it's definitely meant to be like an alternate. Well, it's got non-Earth plants and creatures yeah. on it. So. Exactly, exactly. I, I mm. don't. But I I did watch that cartoon and I I remember enjoying it. I don't remember very much about it. I I, I seem to remember Robin Williams uh, Alan having a big beard, a great big bushy beard for the the duration of the show. So it. Yes, was it set yes. in a kind of in between, <laughs> like alternate well, take it's... on the movie? How I don't know. They quite. I'm gonna have to uh, look it up because I didn't look it up for this. The hunter but, was the um... villain. I remember that he was a big part of the cartoon. He was chasing. They um they go in. He's trapped in the game because he hasn't solved a clue. So they go in and they're trying to help him solve the clue. And they each episode they doing something different. And then at the end he got out. It, it, ah ah. Is that Something it? Something like that. I, I read about it the other day, I, I, but I didn't see it, so I didn't have much to stick it oh, to. Fair enough. I, I watched uh, the um, okay. like the opening sequence again after I watched the film, just out of interest, and it, it doesn't look like it holds up <laughs> like the film does. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, if you'd like to hear more of us talking about Jumanji, uh, go back and find episode 81. And we reviewed Jumanji Welcome to the Jungle in episode 83. And most recently, we've covered Jumanji The Next Level uh, on a Diminisode on our Patreon. Ah, Patreon. Uh, we do Diminisodes, that's what we call them. They're like mini-episodes, to get it? And they are available for just $1 a month on our Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash Dim Returns. Help support the show, get extra content. We average about one episode a week. It's not a particularly strict schedule, but we've done... I think we're up to episode 49 as of I'm recording this, and that's in less than a year. So, uh, go and check that out. Help support the show. $1 a month. What a bargain. Right, next up, we've got The Maze Runner. Everybody remember The Maze Runner? Yeah. It was a book turned film for adolescents, um, sort of trying to be Lord of the Flies, but lost its way after the first film, pretty much. So, uh, we looked at the first and second film in the trilogy. And here are some bits that didn't make that show. The other kid that helps him, what was his name? Is it Aris? Climbs through the vents. Yeah, Aris, something like that. Yeah. And yeah. he, yeah, obviously, this secure facility has six foot wide vents, as all <laughs> facilities do. Um, yes. And easy uh, to access. Yes. Uh-huh. Oh, there's one bit where they, they drop out of the vent. And it's like the ceiling's about nine foot high, and I and I thought when they were going in, I was thinking they can't get back in there now, <laughs> so they have to sneak back in some of the way. And I thought, I bet we don't see them coming back. And sure enough, they sort of find the evidence they're yeah. looking for, and then the next thing we see is them kind of coming out of the vent at the other end, going, "Guys, we need to get out of here." <laughs> it's like <laughs> such a cheat. Uh, anyway, yeah. um, but that kid. I liked him. He had a bit of character. I thought he was going to... never really went anywhere, but he's still with him. Maybe he'll develop later on. But the one thing we find out about him, the one thing anybody knows about him is like, oh, he was in a maze, but it, it was all girls apart from him. And they've mm. come from a maze that was all boys. So it's like, oh, man, that's great. But mm. then <laughs> that... The only sort of telling effect that that's had on his character is that he's like a, whim- a simpering, whimpering, like, shy, scared little child. <laughs> 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 like, what... What is this? What is this trying to tell us about female society? I mean, it, I, I want to see the version of the Maze Runner that focuses on him and that group of people to find out what went on there. 
Well, nothing yeah. sexual at all if this film has uh, got anything to tell us. <laughs> I'm sure he tried. They just weren't having any of it. They made him sleep in the forest. They'd built little <laughs> huts and things, and they just... Um, okay. Uh, well, anyway, so <laughs> there's one bit where you see the girl, Teresa, and one of the other guys is just sort of looking in her direction, and mm. another guy goes, hey, stop looking at her, kind of in a cheeky <laughs> scamp kind of way. Like, that is the only insinuation in this whole film, <laughs> in this whole series of films that teenage boys have sexual uh, desires or even yeah. uh, emotional desires towards other people. <laughs> it's just, <laughs> it's like, and I just think yeah. in a film centered around teenagers, like that's quite a big deal when you're a teenager. Mm. It's like, it should be mm-hmm. at least, at least a bit of like cheeky banter between them about it or something like that. Mm. They should have all been calling each other gay. That's what boys do, especially when there's no girls around. I don't think boys really do that anymore. I think they do. I no I uh, no like I I see like research stuff about kids this is probably not for the edit but uh I see research things um about kids all the time and they 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 don't even call each other fat anymore or certain groups don't anyway because they sort of are aware of that as a very offensive word there's fat. like there's a difference now yes I I don't think we called each other fat to like but our faces when we've I was been young. calling that little Porky kid, fat yeah, yeah, behind his back. <laughs> he might be one of our big listeners. <laughs> one of our biggest. God, I liked him. He was one of the best things in the film. Yeah. And let's be—I mean, to be honest, he would be the probably the most famous person who's ever listened to <laughs> one of these shows. Um, anyway, look, what was going on? Oh, yeah. So even if, even if it's. Even if you're doing it as character that they're frustrated or that it was like, oh God, I really like that girl, but I don't say anything like, or, or they're talking about, you know, just something, something that to give us a bit more than we're running from one disaster to the next. If you're going to drop some personality into this, some characters, then let them do things with each other. Let them breathe, let them interact in some way. Even if it's not a remote romantic thing, let them, at least let them chat and get to know each other. Like let us... Into their like the kid out of love actually him, no idea mm. about anything about his character. He's been in the mm. entire two films I've just watched. I don't yeah, really know yeah. anything about Thomas's yeah the sort of heroic impetuous one who he's either brave or stupid maybe both. Uh, and then I don't even know what any of the others are. That girl has no character whatsoever. But they don't know what mm. their character is either. So how are you meant to know? But they've been living <laughs> there for three years. No, I I agree. I I think I I like I say. I honestly couldn't. I couldn't tell you a single character's name from either film, other than Thomas and Piggy, whatever his real name is. Well, that and wasn't his name, was it? Me. I only know <laughs> Galley because I wrote it down. Mm. It, you said a- Aiden or something. Uh, Aris. No, that's Aris. Aiden Gilly. Aris. <laughs> oh, Aris. Yeah, Aris is the the boy who was in with all the girls. That, yeah. I know. Um, the Love Actually kid's name is Newt. Well, that's yeah, because I, I, I kept thinking I kept... they mostly come out at night. <laughs> mostly. <laughs> uh, I thought they were calling him Newton. And I thought that was like part of his character. Like, oh, like oh, Isaac he's, Newton, he's the smart one. But yeah, they don't remember who Isaac Newton professor. is. Oh, yeah, good point. <laughs> yeah. I do. Just because they don't remember who they are doesn't mean they don't remember like their favourite episode of Seinfeld or whatever. And 
They weren't having <laughs> chats about, you know, wh- what Frasier would be up to if the show was still on the air in this day and age when they were like working you know, on cutting down the trees and stuff. Patricia Clarkson played a girlfriend of Frasier's in about five episodes. <laughs> uh, I was she was nominated for a primetime Emmy for uh, Best Guest Performance was, in a Comedy Series. I was wondering what she's known for, because I don't think I've seen her in anything. Is she... Oh, she's in a lot of Woody Allen stuff. You've definitely seen her in stuff. She was in Shutter Island. You you will have oh, seen, seen her. I mean, in I've stuff. seen Shutter Island, but uh, Green I looked Mile. her up because I was trying to figure out what I knew yeah. her from, and it is just like there's several films there that I've seen. I was like, oh yeah, I think I know she might be in that. She is one of those kind of people. She, I guess she's like a cheaper sort of Meryl Helen Mirren, Meryl Streep, Nicole Kidman type. Oof, I think you need to go another step down. Oof. <laughs> I mean, I don't know yeah, what's, she's, I don't she's, know what's she's, in between no Patricia Street, Clarkson but... and you know <laughs> Holly Hunter. Oh, yeah, you found fa- you found that middle point, Alan. Well done. <laughs> that bit in the skyscraper where one mm. of the characters falls onto a pane of glass and it starts to crack. Oh and yes, they're trying to kind of ease her off, and then a zombie just comes flying around the corner, and they have a big fight. That's probably the best part of the entire series for me. Um, mm. Again, not an amazing sequence, but I could sit through it. I was actually sort of engaged with it. Um, it was pretty even cheap, that was... the fact that the zombie slams into the, gra- the glass yes. and it doesn't smash immediately. Yeah, it should but... have just broken straight away. Yeah. Yeah, it's but... also pretty much like almost shot for shot taken from The Lost World, Jurassic Park. There's almost <laughs> the exact same thing happens with Julianne <laughs> Moore in that <laughs> film. And like, literally, literally so like, you, including like shots of her hand, like, you know, on the glass, and <laughs> then you see the glass like sort of shattering a little bit. And yeah, I thought the zombie was going to crash down and then that was going to be what broke it. But no, the, yeah. it just stays i guess yeah. but I, I that scene it's interesting that you really like that scene and i and i, I didn't, didn't really dislike... like it i just hated oh, it right. less <laughs> but i didn't i didn't dislike it as a little set piece but i also thought while i was watching it, it as like you could cut that set piece out yeah if they come straight out of the last oh, action piece absolutely. and then they're walking into the thing it was mm. just extraneous action mm. um which is okay fair enough if you got, i completely well, if agree film is 20 just, minutes longer than the last one then i just hate it this mm. cut. film <laughs> so Did you like the Maze Runner? Are you 12 years old? You might enjoy that episode uh, in full. It is episode 86, and we also reviewed Maze Runner The Death Cure, which was the third in the trilogy. That was in episode 104, if you want to go back and check them out. All these episodes, of course, still available on your podcast catcher, uh, or you can go to dimreturns.com, our website, where we host everything there. Now, next up, we have our big Captain America episode. We watched all of Cap's uh, solo films. Now, uh, this was recorded a while ago. It was recorded before the release of Avengers Endgame and Infinity War. So there might be some things that are out of date based on what's happened since. But anyway, here are some extra bits that didn't make the edit. So there we go, that's something. Um, this whole film feels like a sort of Indiana Jones pastiche by mm. design. And I, I, it's Joe Johnston in the director's chair, who mm. is famously one of Spielberg's sort of protégés, really, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He yeah. started out uh, working on Star Wars, so he's got the George Lucas connection as well. Mm, mm. Um, so I think that has to be deliberate. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, and and I, I think it works well. It, it really does tap into that sense of adventure, I guess, that old school adventure film vibe that you got in in those movies. 
Yeah, no, no offense to the guy, but I, I don't know if I think of him as a director with a specific vision, uh, mm. especially unique vision. I think of him very much as a oh well, who who do we get? Who's a steady, yeah. capable pair of hands to do a mm. decent, fun film? Oh yes, we'll get him. I I used to feel that way about him until quite recently. Mm. It, it was watching um, Jumanji followed by this quite. Uh, in, in fairly quick succession, hmm. it's kind of made me think. Oh, he has actually got a bit of a specific style to his work here, and he hmm. is actually bringing something to it. and And I think that style is largely aping Steven Spielberg. But, yeah, yeah. But i i I think he's I think he's more than a hired gun. I think he's hmm. a poor man Spielberg, hmm. and that isn't necessarily the worst thing you can be, you know? If, yeah. if you're going to be a poor man's anyone, Spielberg's a pretty good uh, guy to emulate. Yeah, so yeah. I, I, I quite like Joe Johnston. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm certainly not quite... um, slagging him off. I like Jurassic mm. Park 3. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> better than Jurassic Park The Lost World, even. And I seem to remember convincing myself that I liked The Wolfman at the time, but I might have <laughs> Did just... you? I think it's because I was hyping it a lot. And then I just uh, came out being like, "Oh no, it was it was good." But I did the same thing with that Fame remake with Kelsey Grammer in it around the <laughs> same time. So I think it was very susceptible to hype. Did you? <laughs> I I'm sure you came back from that film very disappointed. I think we saw it together, didn't we? Fame. You saw the Wolfman with me. Oh no! Oh no! Oh sorry. Yes, the Wolfman. Yeah, yeah, that's the one. Yeah, yeah. We we saw the Wolfman, and I I don't know. I I yeah. I, I hated it. <laughs> but, <laughs> I don't remember it very well. Mm-hmm. So, can I ask you something? Yes. Do you think Chris Evans is an attractive man? <laughs> um, I was, I was actually, I, I was on the brink of doing a whole thing where we figure out which is the most attractive Avenger, but I thought it would be <laughs> too much of a rabbit hole to go down. <laughs> um, this is the thought process I had. Uh, I think my mind was wandering during the third one, which is a very long film. Um, <laughs> I think if if I had which to, is the hottest Avenger? <laughs> if I had to be with one of the male Avengers, the obvious choice is Tony Stark because he, he's so what? charismatic and and mm. great. I but mean, the, I, he'd t- definitely think, take you on a good date. Mm. Yeah, but I don't know. I think I'd get annoyed very quickly with the oh come on, the helicopters here. We're flying to Paris to watch the sunrise, and I'd be like, oh, Dad, can't we just stay in? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not in the mood. I think I think I'd get along better. I'd have a better relationship with Captain America. I think if I had to mm. pick one of them, but but the set, but it's I probably have a better relationship with Bruce Banner. But like yeah, I could, Bruce I could Banner's make the, the one who'd sit in and watch a box set with you. Yeah, I could make the physicality work more with Captain America. I, I think it's because he's the most bland looking of the, of the lot, though. Well, that's that, it. That's what I was getting what, at. Yeah, yeah, when you asked that question, Calvin, that's what I thought because, like, compared to. Um, the Hemsworth, mm. uh, he's <laughs> got... I don't know which one he is. <laughs> one of the Hemsworths. He's Chris, got, they're all called Chris. Oh, okay. So, like, he's got much more of a sort of some, a, a spark about him. Like, and it's yeah. his face is he's just generally a bit sexier. Chris Evans is a little bit, yeah, just plain, I think, isn't he? Yeah. Uh, not that there's anything wrong with him, but... Mm. Uh, yeah, and he doesn't... But his personality comes through quite nicely. That's mm. it. I think if I if I was going to be involved with a man, I think they'd have to be the most plain, <laughs> nothing about the man in the world to make it kind of... I think I could just about make it work if, if they were like really... If there was just nothing to them. If they had like 
some sort of distinguishing character trait, then it's like too. Re- it's like, oh no, it's too much. I can't do it. <laughs> yeah, interesting. But um, but no, I know what you mean. He, I mm. I mean, it's kind of what I said before about Captain America being my like one of the least interesting of the Avengers as a character. Mm. I find it weird that the films work so well for me given that, because I don't think that much of the character, and it's no disrespect to Chris Evans, I think he does about as good a job in the role as anyone could have done. Oh yeah, I don't think it's a, it's down to him, but I just think mm. how the character, maybe, maybe it's later on, that he's, like when he's popping up in those instructional videos in uh, Spider-Man Homecoming and stuff, it's like he's written now as being a dorkier, dweebier... Yeah, true. Uh, you know, I like he, him he more now, He will go to actually. schools and pat the children on the head and all that kind of stuff, where Tony Stark would probably never do something like that. I like that. I like when he's got that kind of, like, oh, yeah, America, w- <laughs> yeah. wink at the kids and be like, oh, good on your son. And, yeah. and I get that that's the point. It's just not as uh, interesting as being a rich, arrogant billionaire or a mm. grumpy Norse god or whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm. I I like there's a there's a twinge of uh, flirtiness between Captain America and Black Widow in this film, mm. and I kind yeah. of wish that they'd gone down that avenue rather than the one that they did in the mm. next film. So uh, well, um, I mean, I, I they could have made more if you want to put a romantic story into the Captain America story, you could make a lot more of it because. He is this kind of dweeby little kid who's never had attention from women, doesn't know how to talk to them, who suddenly is sexy and got a great body and famous, and everybody yeah, and wants to know him. And you could like do so much with that. He's old or something, but he's a virgin. Well, he's, yeah, he's, yeah, but in his head, he's not. But you could do a lot with that where he goes off the rails because he's like suddenly like shagging all these women, like they can't, and it, but then he's like, he doesn't know, he's got no technique. Or even if you still you still play it like he's a little bit he's still nineteen fifties mentality where he's like oh no I'm not just shagging around but oh, I'd like to I'd like to court this this young oh he lady. definitely he definitely goes a court in to a diner and they have a malt. but he still doesn't know how to speak to women so they're like oh my god Captain America's so sexy and then he's just like I never bought the whole he can't speak to women thing in the first place because he's pretty confident and charming around Agent Carter before he's you know got the super serum in him he's well exactly really that's what i mean they should have played the more film. with that yeah but you, you could have it like the big bang theory where he has to get drunk before he can talk <laughs> around a woman <laughs> but he can't get drunk his metabolism won't let him oh no <laughs> yeah so he, he just has to wham a drink down he can say three words before it stops having an effect <laughs> do you think he's able to ejaculate <laughs> Who knows um, what that serum has done to him? Well, no. If anything, steroids will blow, blow the back out. Yeah. So these are like super steroids. So oh, that's probably, true, probably tiny. It probably will have um, yes, uh, atrophied testicles. <laughs> If you enjoyed that, uh, go and check out episode 89 for more of America's Blandest Superhero. And we have covered every film in the Marvel Cinematic Universe apart from Iron Man 2 and 3. But we're going to address that quite shortly. Keep an eye out. That episode will be coming up pretty soon. In the meantime, go to dimreturns.com and search for Marvel to find the many, many episodes we've done covering that whole thing. What is next? It is Oscars season, of course. And we've already started our build-up to this year's awards. 
we did a Diminisode uh, when the nominees were announced, uh, uh, discussing our thoughts on the actual nominees. Uh, some of them we've already watched and reviewed as Diminisodes. Uh, the, the others we will be doing before our big Oscars episode, which is coming out two weeks after this episode. So depending on when you're listening to this, uh, possibly already out. We've been covering the Oscars for the last two years uh, since we started. Uh, what we do is we basically get all the Best Picture nominees and we watch them and do a sort of quick, uh, relatively quick reviews on them because there's usually seven or eight of them. And we try and get it in one episode. Now, these clips are from the 2018 Oscars episode. Uh, the winner that... Yeah, spoiler alert. The winner was uh, Shape of Water, I believe. Now, these clips, uh, we started with a quiz that got cut out for time, and then there's some talk about Call Me By Your Name, Shape of Water, and then we discuss three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri, who that had just won uh, the BAFTAs. So, uh, you know, check this out. Well, firstly, I just want to point out there's a there's a few odd nominations this year. Logan was nominated for Best Adapted Screenplay, a superhero film in the screenplay category. is mm-hmm. very unusual, um, but I think a testament to the, the quality of that film. Mm-hmm. Uh, Get Out is nominated in almost every category, and that is basically a horror film, although some would argue otherwise, which again is, is quite... Bizarre, really, because the Oscars don't do horror. So I, I've got a very, very quick little quiz for you here. Oh. Because um, I looked up uh, the Oscar history. There have been nine Oscars given to superhero movies ever. Hmm. Um, can you name any of these Oscars? Given Superman. or just nominations? These are one by superhero movies. Well, I presume they're all like special effects and, and like well, production music. design stuff like if, that. If you can get any, I'm going to pit you against each other. Well, should we take it in turns? Yeah, some I, of them look I, very I, easy. I've got one right off the bat. Heath Ledger for The Dark Knight. Yes, Best Supporting oh, Actor, yeah, yeah, 2008, The Dark that. Knight. That was mm. Heath Ledger. Yes. Uh, Tommy Lee Jones in Batman Forever. <laughs> uh, no, that's not a real. That's not a real choice. It was a joke. <laughs> um, I would say Batman for like production design, something like that. One of those sound editing. Uh, One of those uh, ones Batman, that nobody the Tim cares Burton about. Film. Yeah. Uh, yeah, best art direction and set decoration because they did oh, categories weirdly. Back is that then, a two for so... one? No. That's, well, yeah, it was one Oscar for both. I think. Yeah, you're oh, gonna have any to. Others? You're gonna have to cut us some slack with uh, some of these ones because I don't. We probably don't know the uh, <laughs> who won best special effects in 2010. Yeah, for well, best if, sound if I shall I rattle recent? off those ones? Yeah. There were okay. Oh, wait, I, uh, can I? There are. Is three, there a, like a four? Right, three special effects awards. Superman. Um, Superman 1979. Yes, that was. Oh. I believe the man could fly. Did you? Yeah, yeah, that was a special achievement <laughs> award for visual effects. I don't think there was a special effects Oscar Ooh, prior to that film. Oh, interesting. Hmm. Yeah. There was another special effects uh, award given to a superhero film in 2005. Uh, for a film from 2004. And we have covered this film. Uh, ooh. Iron Man. <laughs> no, no, um, that was Spider-Man 2. X-Men. Um, Magneto. And the other... Um, Sort of technical award, I guess. Uh, makeup. Hmm. Hellboy. Last year. Oh, last year. Last Oscars. This went out. Um, for makeup. Nope. Can't think. No, I went to Suicide Squad. That. Oh very yes, of course. Oscar award-winning film. For makeup. Um, yeah, makeup. 
I think largely for the design rather than the. Oh, um, okay. Although Killer Croc had some, you know, interesting stuff going on. Mm. Uh, two are for sound editing, which is very boring. So could be I might as well rattle yeah. those off. I don't Avengers. think I'm going to get them. Uh, no, it's it's uh, the Dark Knight mm. and another film which uh, will come up in a minute. The last two remaining are for best animated feature film. Oh, The Incredibles. Yes, and that also won sound editing. The Incredibles. Incredibles two. Oh, Big Hero 6. Big Hero 6, yes. yes. Calvin is in the lead in our little mini quiz. Uh, but Alan, you've still got a chance to pull it back on round two, the final round. Oh. Because as I say, Get Out is uh, oh, also nominated. 19 Oscars have gone oh. to horror movies ever oh, in the history of the Oscars. If you can get any of these, I will give you a point. Well, I've got one. I'm gonna... Hang on a minute. I've got one. I've got uh, one. Okay, you go first. I, this is based on what I define as a horror film. Oh, that was very nice. debatable. Yeah, okay. <laughs> So Sweeney Todd is not a horror movie. After that. <laughs> Whatever happened to Baby Jane is not a horror film. Didn't win any anywhere, I don't think, did it? It did, it won Best Costume. Oh, Death oh. Becomes Her is not a horror film, Calvin, it's a comedy. Yes, I quite agree. <laughs> and I'm taking Black Swan out of the mix, although I would argue that it is a horror film. Uh, it's generally not seen as one, so I'll leave that one on the side. Hmm. Okay, I've got, I've got a, a guess. Okay. An American Werewolf in London. Ooh, for some sort yes, of special that... effects thing. Yeah, that one for makeup. And I think, like Superman, I think that might have been... No, Planet of the Apes was the first makeup, wasn't it? I'm talking out of my ass. Uh, yeah, one best makeup. Are you counting Silence of the Lambs as a horror film? No. Okay, no, then. That's, mm. no. Damn, um, I thought I had an so... easy five there. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, one of them was... The most recent one to win was for best makeup in uh, 2011. Hellboy. <laughs> it is not Hellboy, but um, Insidious. I have no idea. No, idea. Uh, no that, that's the Wolfman. That dreadful, dreadful, oh, shitty remake. Um, and prior to that, can I guess was... some? What about like? Um, ooh, uh, is there any from like the thirties? Like Doctor yes, Jekyll. That's where most of these come from. Is the thirties and forties? Yeah, Phantom uh, of the Opera. Doctor Phantom of the Jekyll. Opera. Yes. They won Best Cinematography and Best Art Direction, 1943's Phantom of the Opera. Jekyll and Hyde. Uh, one second. Jekyll and Hyde won nothing. No, it did. Oh. No, Best Lead Actor, Jekyll and Hyde, 1932. Best Lead Actor? Wow. Yeah. Uh, Frederick March. March. Oh. Hmm. Won two Oscars, back to back, I think. Oh. Hmm. Wow. Alan, you, you, uh, you've got double Calvin's points now. Yeah. Uh. Well, if he's doing films yeah. from the well, 30s, I could just I've shout out names of horror films too. But... Yeah, there's there's a really there's a few famous ones. The turn-based yeah. system has gone to pot here. You know that. Right? <laughs> yeah, Frankenstein, Bride of Frankenstein. No, no. The Wolf um, Man. Right, I'm going to start going through them for you. Dracula. So, <laughs> what Dracula? Yes. Which one? Nineteen ninety-two. Yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> for what? <laughs> It won three. Um, it won three Oscars. Yeah. Really? Well, it'd be best because it was all practical effects. So it must be something like best set design and effects and shit like that. No, no. Calvin, uh, do you want to take a stab at what it won? Uh, best music? No. No, it won for best costume, sound effect editing, and makeup. Mm. Um, yeah. Also on here, so there's 1945. Picture of Dorian Gray won best black and white cinematography. Mm. Okay. 1968. Or 1969, Planet of the Apes. 
No. Uh, Rosemary's <laughs> Baby won for oh. Best Supporting Actress and Best Adapted Screenplay. Hmm. Um, now, there's there's a few really obvious ones left. The Shining. Um, no, no. That one's, that got nominated for Razzies, actually, The Shining, when it came mm-hmm. out. Uh, the most recent one left is Sleepy Hollow, 1999, for Best oh. Art Direction. Hmm. Prior to that is a Makeup Award from 1987. 87. Aliens. No. Uh, <laughs> Is that of horror? Uh... Oh, of course. The but, Alan. Alien. Keep going down that track. Alien. Alien yes. 3. <laughs> Alien. Best visual effects and best art direction. Oh. And there's two left. So one of them is perhaps the most iconic horror film ever made. Maybe, arguably. Uh, I wouldn't say it lives up to it. And the other one is for music. Uh, Frankenstein? No. They're both from the 70s. Oh. Can't be Halloween, can it? Exorcist! Yes, The Exorcist. Best adapted screenplay and best sound. And best music was The Omen. It won for best original score and for best original song for what I assume was the same piece Mm. of music. Hmm. Uh, Alan, you ended up with more than three times Calvin's (laughs) score. So you win. Well, no, 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 no. There there was no competition there. It was a... The result is void. <laughs> uh, okay, so my point is <laughs> that the academy's changing, guys. <laughs> Two other things. Um, have you ever, when you've had lady friends, have you ever had shits in the same room? And in the toilet at the same time and held each other while you do it and then look at your shits. Um, no. No, um, I don't recall that, that in the film. I'm, I'm guessing that's from the book. Yeah, that's in the book. And it's Is a that a thing a... that people do? I, I, well, I've never heard I, it happening. I mean, I don't know for sure, but I think the gays are a bit more anally fixated than, <laughs> than, than straights. Mm. Well, I, I remember... I remember a friend of mine being like amazed that I had an ensuite bathroom at uni, and then he just kept saying like, "Oh, you should get your girlfriend to suck you off while you have a shit," and he was obsessed with it. And I kept saying to him, "What's wrong with you? Why? <laughs> why is that where your mind went? That's bizarre." Maybe it is a bit of a fetish because it is written in this very like. It starts out with they're out on the balcony in this hotel and they're sort of touching each other up, and it's like, "Ooh, sexy!" And then it goes to, and then he was on the toilet doing his thing, and I, and I was like, "Oh God, okay." And then they start holding each other while they do it, and it's just very uh. Yeah, um, not terribly sexy. Kills the mood. <laughs> one one last thing, actually. Can we touch on Army Hammer? I Cause... wish I could touch on him. <laughs> <laughs> well, what, what, what's going on with him? He's like one of these people that Hollywood decided was going to be a big star, and then it just never kind of happened. And... Yes, yes. Ever since The Lone Ranger, which kind of mm. flopped a few oh, years was he, ago. Was he The Lone Ranger? Yeah, um, yeah, he's too tall. I mean, he's he's still the Winklevoss to me. I don't think he'll ever be anything other than. But <laughs> it's Winklevoss, the, the plural of Winklevoss. <laughs> he's yeah. just got that look about him, like he's not quite a heartthrob like Chris Pine, Chris Pratt, mm. Chris Hemsworth. <laughs> he, there's just something about him that I feel like in another mm. world he'd be in like you know scary movie kind of spoof comedy <laughs> things as like a yeah. as like a parody pretty action hero. I don't know. He's more of a he's more like an Aaron Eckhart something like that. <laughs> mm. There is just yeah, I, I think he's mean. a very good actor. I like him. Uh, mm. but he certainly hasn't had as much awards buzz for this film as his 
co-star. And has. I think that's well, fair. Well, his nothing about so nothing about this film really made him jump out as like, oh my god, amazing actor. Perfect, yeah. perfect, good performance. Mm. But yeah, I wouldn't, yeah, I wouldn't I go around you... shouting award ceremonies. Yeah, I think he was very functional here, and he, you know, he, he perhaps performed a, a somewhat difficult role, you know, competently, but it, it it never quite jumped out at you and made you think, "Wow, amazing!" Mm. In the same way that the younger kid did. Mm. Um, mm. I don't know. Maybe he'll he'll have his day if he keeps making stuff like this, though. I'm sure. So. Hmm. Yeah, and I was even fine with like you mentioned about. Richard Jenkins and Octavia Spencer, how their stories are just there to sort of prop up Sally Hawkins' mm. character or add to that. And I was kind of fine with that, though. It's like Richard Jenkins has his whole thing about he likes to visit this particular diner because he fancies the guy behind the counter. Mm. Um, but even the, en- the ending of that off. I didn't like because basically he he likes this guy behind the counter and he thinks he's going all right. So he kind of makes a move as such. And the guy goes, what the fuck are you doing? Faggot, get out of here or yeah. whatever. But then... It immediately backs out by a black couple walk in, and this guy goes, "Oi, blacks, get out!" Um, mm. And it do one or the other. Either either he gets rejected and he has to walk away, like, "Oh my god, I've embarrassed myself," or he sees that this guy isn't who he thought he was, and he's actually a bit of a knob racist, and walks away mm. with his head held high. Like, do one or the other. It tried to do both, and by bringing the the couple in and making it about that, it completely deflected away from the emotional mm. impact of what had just happened. And that just seemed a weird choice to put that in. It was I think it was just to uh make it clear that it's more than just gay panic. Uh yeah, and, he's, and the, he's very much a product of the time in which he lives and he's just got that bigotry. Yeah, I yeah. I cuz that's the thing. You might make a move on a man in this day and age and he'd react like, "Whoa, what the fuck, dude?" but then um mm. You know, he probably wouldn't react to <laughs> that way to a black couple trying to sit down in his restaurant. So, yeah, I, I, mm. I think you're right, Cam. Mm. Yeah. Gay panic. And indeed, three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri won Best Film. And Best British Film. Yeah, which I think... <laughs> is it a, wor- is te- it working title? Well, yeah, the the writer direct. I mean, I know why it's in there. I think it's a bit disingenuous. It had funding from Channel Film. Like on that. on paper, mm. it is you know a British, partly British production. But that, I you hate that. Know it to sort of watch it. I, I like this is an aside, but it's an awards discussion aside. So I might as well mention it. But I cannot stand the best British film category. Because it's so mm. wishy-washy, there's no consistency to how it works. It like half the time, Academy voters seem to vote for not Academy, yeah, Academy voters seem to vote for. Oh well, that's the the best little British film that has no chance of winning like any proper awards. So we'll vote for that one. Half the time, they just vote for the best film that year that happens to also be in the British film category. So sometimes a film will win both which is what logically should always happen if they're you know mm. if they're nominated and one wins best picture then it should also by default win best british film but half the time something will win best picture that's nominated in best british film but a different british film will win best british film and i could understand if they yeah, kind but... of defaulted to the next british film so that something else got Yeah to but in, if you're but voting for best british film you're looking for a bit of britishness in it No but are they because mm. three billboards <laughs> just won and it's got like nothing to do with britain other than some funding <laughs> and yeah the the writer director is um is he northern irish or 
No, he's, he's his parents even... are Irish. Right, so he's not he even he was no, he's born and raised in in England. So, oh, okay. uh, but his parents are Irish, and he does a lot of Irish stuff. Uh, but he's mm. he was never mm. he didn't live there. So, so I, I just <laughs> well. I I think either either it should be a hard and fast like just the best film that also happens to be British, or it should be the best example of like you say something that's got something British about it. In which case, I, I just want them to clarify the rules and have some fucking consistency. It does my head in. <laughs> it's over. Yeah. So this film. Mm-hmm. There you go, BAFTA, sort yourselves out. Now, if you want to listen to our full 2018 Oscars review, go to episode 91, and then you can even check out the 2019 review. That's episode 142. And then our 2020 roundup will be going up in a couple of weeks. We'll review all the films, uh, make some predictions, and that'll go out just before the actual awards ceremony. And if you want to keep track of what we're doing, we are on the social medias. Um, Instagram is at Dim Returns Pod, Twitter at Dim Returns Pod, Facebook is facebook.com forward slash diminishing returns podcast. Go on those. We are active. We post things. I post on Instagram every day, so definitely there's stuff going on there. Facebook and Twitter are so 2014, so we're on the Instagram now. Okay, so. So next up, we've got just a couple of short clips here about uh, people attached to the films we talk about. So here are some clips. One of them's dealing with Angelina Jolie, and the other one's about Jim Henson. I made a note about Angelina Jolie here, which is that I love Angelina Jolie, but I've never really like I never really get to watch her in anything because all of her films are so just sort of anecdotal and insignificant. Hmm. Um, like she's she's not really got any like huge obvious roles to her name, has she? I mean, well, I don't, these I don't... are probably her two biggest films to date, her m- most sort of career defining. Well, say. this is the only franchise so, she's been involved with. I think that says a lot. She's kickstarted a whole load that have kind of has not she gone anywhere? Well, yeah, attempted franchises, I should say. Salt wanted. Oh yeah, but that's partly because she doesn't want to be tied down into the fr- like she could have been doing Tomb Raider films until today if she'd have wanted to, but she she's in all three Kung Fu Pandas. Um, that doesn't count. <laughs> Does them for the kids. There is a Maleficent two on the way, apparently. Yeah, yeah but there was a Wanted a two on the way and Assault two on the way. It's, <laughs> she's a bit like a Will Smith. It's like she stars yeah. in all these films which are projected to be huge, but because they're huge movie stars and. They can kind yeah. of just do what they want and don't need to be tied down to a contract. You're right, though. She hasn't got a really defining kind of... Yeah, you're right. For a while, Mr. and Mrs. Smith was probably one of her most like career-defining films. Yeah, and that's, like, I think it still is. that's the most unforgettable piece of shit in the world. So Unforgettable? Sorry, forgettable. Oh, right. <laughs> unforgivable <laughs> piece of shit. Unforgivable. Oh, unforgivable. Oh, right. No, well, I said forget. I meant forgettable. But, mm. Yeah. And that film is obviously notorious because of her and Brad Pitt's relationship that yeah. blossomed after that. Well, this is that, it. I, I, she. I wonder how much of a stardom is to do with all the tabloid press that I don't really. Oh, definitely. Follow or care about. Mm. Like for the longest while, I'd sort of say like, "Oh, I like Angelina Jolie," and then people would be like, "Oh." That bloody man stealing bitch. I'd be like, who? Shut up. Who gives a fuck? Yeah. Oh, I like I like Jennifer Aniston instead. Well, I like them both. Like, 
And obviously Angelina Jolie's more attractive than Jennifer Aniston. Like, you can't blame Brad Pitt there. Um, just... I don't know, that's a matter of taste, I think. Let's not do that. It's like, we're like 15 years late for this debate. <laughs> <laughs> well, who, who was wrong in the uh, Angelina thing? Remember when Brad Pitt was on that episode of Friends? <laughs> Because he was going out with Jennifer Aniston. So, but yeah, uh, but I think Angelina Jolie, although we're just saying, like, she hasn't got a particularly defined role. I think she is generally very well respected as an actor. She's considered yeah. to be a great mm, actor. Yeah. That's um, what's so weird. Rather about than just a, a famous person or, or a, a, just yeah, a yeah, yeah. kind of Hollywood star. Uh, but I, yeah, I couldn't really pin that down to anything. I mean, she's an Oscar nominee, and I, I'd struggle to even name... In fact, she might have even won for all I know. I think I she won Best Supporting Actress. Yeah, yeah, that was good. I know Changeling was one of them, yeah. but that's the only one I could pull to mind. Mm. And I haven't seen mm. that. That's just because it was like one of the first years when I was paying attention to the Oscars. That's yeah, she was. Know that one. She was nominated for Changeling. She won for Girl Interrupted, which was yeah. kind of before right. she mm. became the Angelina Jolie. I think she's very much known for her uh, humanitarian work as well these days, which uh, a lot oh, yeah. of uh, she credits to have started while filming Tomb Raider in Cambodia, I oh. believe. Uh, and then she set up a, a mission there. I'm not sure if I'm using the right terminology, but she is, you know, set up centers and whatnot in a lot of um, Asian countries to help the population and whatnot. And I think she's help them, uh, yeah. help them do what, like you know. Build wells and uh, educate. Water. Yeah, uh, <laughs> you said you said that with such a cynicism, Alan. Help with what? <laughs> it's because you you said it with such vagary. I was like, oh yeah, it's just amazing. Countries help them being Asian countries or something. Well, I don't know. I I, I don't want to miscredit or uh, do disservice to any of the work that she's done. But yeah. But before that, she was probably better known for, like, sleeping with knives in the bed and like, <laughs> cutting herself and weird blood play, wasn't she? Yeah, like, we- wearing a vial of Billy Bob Thornton's blood around her neck. Uh, <laughs> I respect anyone yeah. who will shag Billy Bob Thornton, though. I think that's top-notch <laughs> work. Um, there's only one other note I've got, mm. which we haven't talked about, and it's just a quote. It's a quote from Jareth, David Bowie's character. And yeah, it, okay. it simply says, nothing, tra-la-la. <laughs> oh. <laughs> which, is just, yeah. which I don't really know what he was thinking with that delivery. This <laughs> is like, oh, what are you going to do for this? Nothing. Nothing, tra-la-la. <laughs> hmm. I don't think that Brian Henson can really... Uh, oh, Jim Henson, sorry. Uh, maybe he just can't direct humans. Maybe that's <laughs> part of the problem i don't know i think uh, I'm, I'm just gonna look this up to make sure i'm not chatting shit but i think jim henson was nominated for the best short film oscar before he even started doing his puppeteering oh really as, as a director of a live action i think film. it was a live action film i think it might have been quite art housey so maybe maybe mm. the performances weren't um great mm. i've never seen it but i think he started out as a, a like a filmmaker before he got into puppetry. Yeah, yeah, Oscar nominee, best short subject, live action subjects, timepiece, 1965. Yeah, well, there we go. Oh, but it does say it's a surreal stream of consciousness montage about time. <laughs> so maybe <laughs> performances right. aren't... Uh... <laughs> mm. Yeah. I'll skip that. <laughs> 
Yeah, well, if you'd like to hear our thoughts on the uh, actual Tomb Raider films themselves, including a pre-Bond Daniel Craig, uh, go and look for episode 93. And for our review of the new Tomb Raider that came out, that was episode 104. If you're more of a Labyrinth fan, that's episode 101. That's a good episode, actually. One of my favourites. Now, finally, I've got a bit of a miscellaneous section for you here. See, often we get sidetracked, we go off on tangents that aren't really relevant to the film, sometimes not about films at all, and that's why they get cut out. But, you know, it doesn't mean they're not a little bit entertaining in some way, so here are a selection of offcuts for you to enjoy. I'm just having a refreshing drink of water. Oh, hmm. Today's episode water. is sponsored by water. Refresher. <laughs> what kind of water? Uh, tap. Um. <laughs> North London Council water. Oh dear. <laughs> Your mother would not approve. No, no, no. You'll get cancer, Alan. <laughs> not from that. Well, I'm here having a nice uh, soothing sip of Buxton. <laughs> With just a bit of uh, Robinson squash in it. A slice of a lemon. No, no, that'd ruin the taste of the squash. <laughs> uh, so, what type of water are you drinking? I'm drinking uh, Pepsi Max ginger water. Oh, you dirty <laughs> bastard. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, are you ready? I like, I like to mix up the cherry one every night. Like, I've got. I've, I've literally. I don't think I've drunk anything apart from cherry Pepsi Max for about two weeks. Oh, like, God. no water or anything, so I thought I'd mix it up with a ginger one. <laughs> yeah, you'll, well... you'll have problems. You'll, you need to drink water. Yeah. There's water in this. Mm. Mm. It's the first ingredient on it is water. Mm. You can't argue ingredients, science, can't carbonated water. What percentage? Oh. <laughs> Quite a large one. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Mm. Why? What? What problems am I going to have then? Kidney stones. I, you'd be like them uh, medieval people that couldn't <laughs> drink clean water, so all they had to drink was like mead and stuff, and they got like dysentery and stuff. Is that connected? I don't know. Really, you get dysentery from drinking dirty water. Oh Not right, from yeah, yeah, drinking yeah, boiled water with mead. <laughs> well, we don't know yet. We don't know. <laughs> no, we do. No one's ever. <laughs> we do actually. Boiling kills re- the germs. That's why they. That's why they brew beer. I think. I think the one. Um, the one problem I may run into is the fact that it's constantly carbonated. I think that might have been linked to some sort of something saying like, "Oh, your your body don't like that if it's always mm. carbonated." But do you get headaches? It's alright. No. Oh, <laughs> do you want to uh, intro as Alan? <laughs> yes. You know what? You know what I really think the root of my problem was. Sol, you might remember this. Do you remember there was a, a program on CITV called Wolfit, and it was <laughs> no, a, no. it was about these like Muppet like the, you know they were like oh god I do wolf. remember that yeah 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 they that, used to... that show affected me no way <laughs> because, because they actually ate the children no um, there was something they did in that show where 
they put like fingernails into mashed potato or something and ground it up, and oh, it really like put God. me off. Really finely mashed potato, the kind that you'd get in like a school cafe, and I kind I'd feel a bit ill mm. when I like had to sit down and eat like really, really like you know like uh, creamed mashed potato, that level of mashed potato, because it made me think of eating mm. fingernails, <laughs> and it's only it's only like mm. as an adult that I've kind of gotten over that and obviously mashed potatoes don't have anything to do with fingernails but that was that wolf it show you should have watched yeah, bodger and badger that. that would have gotten you over it just love mashed potatoes again i don't like bodger he's not he's not good putting a good case forward for the badger to be honest he's dead now isn't it? bodger you can't you can't slag him off he's dead bodger isn't <laughs> he died like earlier this year no the the Wait. The guy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I forgot it was Bodger. Well, Badger. you thought Badger yeah, had thought, died, but Bodger was still I thought the Badger right. was called Bodger, <laughs> and the man was called, like, Jim or something. <laughs> Jim, Jim Bodger. <laughs> but, Does the Badger live yeah. on? Or has someone taken up the mantle probably. of his the kids, Badger? His kid's probably taken over the mantle, hasn't he? That's what always happens. Like, Matthew Corbett <laughs> yeah, and yeah. Emu guy as well, whoever did Emu. Rod Hall. Mm-hmm. No, but his kid... His kid did it, didn't he? Or someone certainly. Yeah, yeah. Or do, I think yeah, he someone does it took now, over you. I mean, you can hire him. <laughs> you can't give away that kind of legacy, can you? <laughs> Still making money. What about um? Mm. What Carrigy? about Keith Harrison Orville? Uh, do you reckon I I could lay claim to Orville if no one else is doing it? I could probably blag that. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, yeah, Keith Harrison's children hated him by the end, so. Uh... I don't know. <laughs> if it's not true, <laughs> sue us. These credits are long. That's another thing, if you want to go on a little tangent here. Film credits, I hate film credits. There's no reason Why? for film credits. What do you mean there's get no it, reason? Get it done. I want, I only, I'm only interested in an above-the-line crew. Give me your, your crew chiefs, the, the cast... I'm fine with that. I don't need to know who the account payroll clerk is. Um, I don't need to know who did yeah, the catering. It, I don't. I don't care. Is it? How do you expect them to get work? Skin afterwards? off your nose. To does it matter that they get a credit to you? I just well. Do you well, sit bothers... through the credits in every no, film because you don't feel <laughs> he like sits you've had your them money's worth crossed, you stay like, to the end? Really angry. No, of course not. And I hate. And I, I hate people who who go. Oh, I like watch the credits. Give them the respect they deserve. What? Um, <laughs> when have you ever encountered a person who said that ever? <laughs> no, I've, I've, I know people who said that. Yeah, usually like first year film students who feel like they're obliged to, and then it's like, eh. And I like the credits being there as a means of digesting what you've just watched. Like when you don't turn the DVD off immediately, or Netflix or whatever, when they don't instantly start playing some trailer. Like, well, that's it. Netflix twang. shows the credits that the respect it deserves. No, they Not. don't. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so it's like Netflix, you don't need this. Get on. What's the next thing you're gonna watch? Boom, boom, boom. I boom. was watching Yes, Prime Minister on Netflix, and the little you know the screen goes really small in the corner. Yeah. Yes. It did that before the episode had even finished. They were still talking. <laughs> It was furious. It was outrageous. It's bad enough they do it with the actual credits, but the the episode still had like three minutes left. (laughs) It is bullshit, isn't it? It's total bullshit. I mean, it obviously Mm. programmed it in wrong for that particular episode, but it was outrageous. Mm. I think Alan's uh, comments are really offensive to Marvin Yanez, who was the stereoscopic roto lead on Thor: The Dark World. (laughs) 
<laughs> and great work, Marvin. Well done. That stereoscopic roto leading was... I don't think it could have been done better, quite frankly. No? You've done a bit of stereoscopic roto leading, haven't you, Calvin? No. That's not what I read on the back of that toilet door. (laughs) (laughs) I have so much fun just watching the credits and then someone called, like, Wang Dick comes up. (laughs) I like it when they list all the babies that were born during the production. Oh, I hate that. Oh, what? That's the worst. I didn't. Production babies, and then you have sometimes you have photos of children. It's like, oh, get out! I've of never my face. seen that. I didn't, I'm not aware of that. Well, you don't stay through the credits. You, you. Well, <laughs> apparently, you do sometimes, but you're sat there seething, not reading. I, I walk to the door and wait, and what for the end of the film? I, when I sense the end of the film coming, I'll go and stand by the door. <laughs> yeah, well, when I went to see Lord of the Rings, I was there for 25 minutes. <laughs> Oh yeah, Alan. Alan's so busy. He's got to run off to a business meeting. He's got scheduled. I've got calls to make. You know, I've been in the cinema for two and a half hours. I've got to like, I've got to get on with my stockbroker. Uh, I've got to catch up. I've got to, what else do people do that's important? Um, yeah, got to get the bus home. Beat the traffic. <laughs> Even though you're at the cinema at like eleven a.m. on a Tuesday. <laughs> Just for the listener's benefit, Saul has kept a ranking chart of every zombie film he's ever seen. And, and like, you guys act like I'm particularly nerdy for this, but Alan, I was thinking the other day, like, I'm sure back when I used to live with you, you just kept, like, extensive lists of films that you'd... Not even films that you'd seen, it was just like, I'm making a list of every film released in 1941 today. (laughs) (laughs) No, well, not quite that arbitrary. It would be like, I'd have a list of all the films that won the Palme d'Or or something. But these these were all lists of things... You can find it on Wikipedia. Yeah, but I like writing down lists, that's fine. That's that's different. But then you you mock me for doing the same thing, but just because I put mine in order, so they're personal to me. I'll tell you what I'll tell you what the significant difference between us is. And this is not a judgment of any kind on either of us. But I like I like logical uh, like well science isn't really what but scientific lists that are that have a pure reason. Like so so I would do so for example best picture Oscar winners in chronological order, right? Boom. Yours is completely subjective and based on your own opinions. No, and, my, mine and is a of, list of Best Picture Oscar winners just ranked in order of how good I think they are. Which is your subjective opinion. No. I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm not saying that's... that's, But it's just not how I would do it. And I have, my my attraction to lists is different to yours. Well, yours my, is self-centered. For me, it's generally mine's... about cataloguing what I've seen, often so I can go back to it and, for example, look up where this ranks in relation to the other... Yeah, that's fair enough. And I rate everything I watch, so I kind of have that as well. But my my lists tend to be a catalogue of things I haven't seen and that I want to see. So that's oh, I do those as well, but I check them off as I go. Oh yeah. They were talking about that on um, a morning breakfast show here last week, and I got so mad because they had some politician on saying about how children should spend, you know. <sighs> Five minutes every week singing the national anthem in front of the flag. And- oh God, it's it's bad enough in in primary schools. There is a 
a mandated time in the morning called it's called something like collective worship and you have mm. to that's basically why most schools do a prayer or sing a religious yeah. song yeah. in the morning but when i was younger i went to a really multicultural school in reading so they just sang mm. like disney songs and stuff that had no religious bent at all <laughs> and then when i moved to the north and it was a smaller school with mostly white people i found it really creepy and unnerving yeah that I was suddenly being forced to partake in religion it was horrible it was like yeah. well no shut up i'm not what are you on about yeah. god and then this very sensible woman on sort of being like well you know it's not really what you know a, a good thing for kids to do to swear blind allegiance to a nation and then they yeah. just kept coming back at her with why do you hate the union jack why do you especially, hate the especially, queen like, especially a nation a nation with such a bad reputation <laughs> why do you hate the queen that's a whole uh well, that's a whole can of worms in of itself. It always amazes me with our, our national anthem because, uh, you know, God save our gracious queen and all that. Like, I'm not I'm not a jingoistic. I'm not a patriot by any means. I'm not a monarchist. I'm not exactly an ab- abolitionist, but it's only because they're essentially powerless now. I am. And I'm get an, rid I'm of an it. atheist, so uh, <laughs> this really means nothing to me, this song. <laughs> no need for him. Oh, I don't think well, there's there any is. need for them. No, I, if 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 we move to have the have the monarchy abolished, I wouldn't. I would be happy with that. Uh, but I can't say I'm going the effort of getting it done. Yeah, yeah it's not a pressing we, we, issue. We've got bigger fish to fry right now. But yeah. at the yeah. same time, like it really upsets me when people care about anything the royals do. Oh yeah, <laughs> it really annoys me. Mm. Anyway, um, uh, anyway, let's get back. It's on great. Soon. It'd be great to have a president, wouldn't it? Right, I think that's enough for now, isn't it? Come on, you've had enough off-cuts. There will be more in the future, I'm sure. This is the sixth Outtakes episode we've done in three and a half years. So, you know, every six months or so, there's an Outtakes episode. And uh, if you'd like to check out more Outtakes, uh, go and find them on our uh, website there, dimreturns.com. Go onto your podcast catcher and search through the old episodes. They're all there. Loads and loads and loads of films we've covered. This is episode 190 of our podcast. That's how many things we've done. You can go back into our back catalogue and find things that will be interesting to you and interesting to your friends. In fact, why don't you go and tell them how good this podcast is? Help spread the word. Follow us on the social media. Uh, support us on Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash Dim Returns. One dollar a month. Thank you for listening. And uh, we hope you'll be listening again next week.